Let's pray and we'll get started. All right? Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. It is truly grateful, Father, to be, uh, to be in, in the presence of, of godly people. And it's truly uh, great. We're grateful to be in your presence this morning. We know that you're here. You promise that you're here. And we know that, Father, that you're waiting for us uh, to worship you together. And we, and we can't wait to do that. We, we start this morning by studying from your word. We thank you for it. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for your son who, uh, who, who presented to us what your word was going to be. And we thank you, Father, that you have, uh, have uh, inspired men uh, from, from long ago uh, to write these things down so we could have them and so that we could learn from them. We know, Father, some things that we're going to study this morning. And we just pray your blessings upon us as we study your word that we'll have the courage to apply it to our lives. And thank you for the opportunity, Father. Bless us as we move forward. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you what, for what you will do for us. And Father, help us to stay faithful and help us to stay obedient to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I told you, and I told, I'll, I'll say it again, First and Second Peter are like a survival manual. They're a survival manual for those who are going through spiritual crisis. Just look at some of the things that he said, some of the things that he, that he dictates to us, and you find out, you know, just start fixing on these things. Put your hope in these things. He talks about us having a hope and us having a living hope. He talks about us having the grace of God and mercy from God. He talks, he talks about all the things that, and it's only in one chapter. We've been in this chapter for a while. We're, we've got another two, four more chapters, and we've got a whole other letter yet. So, you know, what we're talking about in this part was about the salvation that's been given to us. And if you remember back a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to review a little bit, the salvation he talks about, he said, the prophets long to understand what you have. They long to understand what you take for granted. They long to understand the grace that God was pointing them in a direction. And he knew, they, they figured out, or they were being told, that it wasn't about you, them, it was about us. It was about what was going to happen. Think about what it must have been like for Isaiah to write Isaiah chapter 53, or David to write Psalm uh, 22. Psalm 22 begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then down in the text it said they, they cast lots of my garments. Not a bone of my body has been broken. He had no clue who he was writing about. They longed to understand, and they couldn't. And it says in, that, in, that chapter, in this chapter, even angels long to look at what you have. We take for granted what angels long to understand. We have a salvation from God, guys. We have a grace from God that's going to ultimately be revealed in the last day. But we have that. That promised us, that hope that we have in it. So when we're going through spiritual crisis, and all of us will, all of us are going to, and I said before, I said you either going through it, have gone through it, or will go through it. At some point, there's going to be a crisis in your life, no matter what it's going to be. And you're going to have to have something to hold on to. You're going to have to have something to form a baseline, a, a bottom, where you can't go past that. And what better thing, I, when we were in the hospital all those days, I saw, I saw many people that had no hope. Saw many people. I told you all about one little old lady that I never saw a visitor not one time. We were there for five days and she had a stroke. I never saw a visitor in her, in her hospital room at, not once. Think how hopeless it is to live in a world where you have no God in your life. We have that. We don't have to say, I don't have God. We have that. You know, we have a salvation that came from God. So when spiritual crisis comes, this is a, this, it's, a, it's a place where it can give me hope and give me sustainability where I can sustain myself where I know that God will, will reach into me and touch me and lift me up, and I don't have to, be, I don't have to feel abandoned like, we do, like people in the world do. You know, I, I, I told Delissa a while ago, 
you know, she was talking about something, and I said, I said, you need to still live in your bubble because it's a chaotic nightmare out there. There's a lot of evil, and there's a lot of there's a lot of crisis out there, and people are falling by the wayside as we speak. Okay, we don't have that have to go there. We have a hope that God can that God delivers us. Now we're going to start in verse 22. I'm going to read a little bit, and then we're going to talk about this some before we get to chapter two. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Okay? You know, do you believe that this is God's word? Yes. You believe that with every fiber of your being. Okay, you know, for the for the early part of my Christian walk, I, I spent most of my time trying to figure out if this was the truth or not. That's really what I wanted to know: is this true or not? I've been told things that this that didn't line up with this book, and I was going, which one? Who was lying to me? Is this thing just a figment of somebody's imagination? Is it an illusion? Is it irrelevant? I've heard people say it's irrelevant for today. We live in a different culture and different time, and it's irrelevant. That's not what this text said. This text, text said that, that God's word is imperishable. It will not go away. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 said it's a double-edged sword, cutting, dividing joints and marrow. And I think Matthew chapter 24, 25 says that it will never go away. Jesus says the word of God will always be here, never go away. Jesus said in John chapter 12, that word will judge you in the last day. So how important is it? Well, he says here, he said, now I know that I didn't do anything and you didn't do anything to purify yourself. Right? You understand that? So he must be talking about when he said, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth. What does the truth tell me that when I come to it and obey it, that, it's gonna, that it has that purification properties in it that can purify me? What does it tell me? What has it told you? What does that truth tell you? That you can look at it and say, uh, hold on a minute. I forgot. Turn it off. What does that truth tell you? And what did it tell you in the beginning when you were... When he says here, I don't want to camp on this one text. Look at what he said. He said, For you have been you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. That's in verse 23. What is it? you remember John chapter 3? you remember who comes to Jesus? Somebody comes to Jesus, one of the Pharisees comes to Jesus, says Nicodemus. You remember what Jesus tells him? You must be born again. And he tells him not once but twice. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, I don't understand what you're talking about. How can I go again in my mother's womb and come back out? He said, I don't understand. Jesus was talking about this very event that we have available to us, that we're involved in. What does it mean to you to be born again? What did it mean to you in the in the uh, well, I got a question here. I'm going to ask you something first. How would you explain what it means to be born again to someone, a friend, coworker, acquaintance that doesn't have a religious background? How would you explain that to them? How would you explain it to them? You would need several sessions. Several sessions? Yes. Okay. <laughs> They'd have to gain confidence, and you don't go beat them on the head. Okay. With my... It's a duel. It's a duel. It's a duel. Explain, Larry, what do you mean by do-over? To get to start fresh. To get to start fresh. Brand new. Okay. Sins are washed away. Sins are gone. 
Still got four. Okay. All that guilt and stuff you carry. Okay. It's gone. Okay. So, anybody else? How would you explain your being born again to someone who has no religious background or doesn't want to talk to you? How would you explain it to them? How would you explain your birth, new birth process? How would you explain it? That's what he said. He said, he says, well, we were born again. Not with imperishable seed. I mean, with perishable seed, but with the imperishable. Something, what does imperishable mean? He talked about it last week. We looked at it. He said, he said, not with silver and gold. That's going to burn up. At some point, it's going to burn up. At some point, it'll get so bad, so hot, that it's going to burn it up. But this won't. This won't burn up. So what is he talking about? What, did he, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? I have a guide for my life. Okay. All right. You have a different purpose. I have a different purpose. Not living for you. Not living for me anymore. Living for, for, living for something else. That's how you would explain anybody else. How would you explain this new birth process? Because Nicodemus didn't understand. He was a Pharisee. You know, he understood the idea of birthing. He understood that. But he, he understood that being born into where he was born, it made him of the elite, made him special because he was born a Jew. So he was elite. He understood that. And he said, how can I be born again? I don't need to be born again. I'm already a Jew. I'm already of the elite. Why do I need to be born again? That's where he was coming from. What is, what is it that, that I come from, you know, from, from my position? You know, I wasn't born a Jew. I didn't born of the elite. And what I know from, from reading this holy word is, is that that's not going to matter anyway. That at some point, at some point, I'm going to need something else because that can't get it done. So I need something else. What do I need? I need something that is going to not just wash sin and atone for sin over and over. I need something that's going to remove it. Something that's going to give me a relationship. You know, that could not give them a relationship. They had a relationship because they were born into a certain family. Okay? This, this covenant, the covenant we celebrate, the covenant that Jesus instituted, is a covenant that makes it possible not only for sin to be removed, like you guys were saying, that's part of the new birth. Not only the sin be removed, but, but he no longer remembers it. He washes it away. It's gone. Clean. Boom. Done. That's what he tells us. That's what he told us in Jeremiah chapter 31. When Jeremiah wrote that, you think he understood? You know, he's, this is one of the prophets that's writing. You think he understood what it meant? for to, That he said, I'm going to make a new covenant. He said, I'm going to write my laws, their minds, their hearts. Where did they have their law? They had it written on stone tablets. You know, where, where he's telling them? He said, I'm going to write my laws. Not, I'm going to write them in their, in their minds and on their hearts. And he said, everyone will know me. They'll all know who I am. And he said, and it, that covenant will be where I will not only forgive them, but I will forget their sins. It'll be based on a new covenant, not the old covenant. And when Jesus institutes the, the Lord's Supper, what does he say? This is the blood of what? Of the new covenant. This is what he was talking about. Jeremiah was dead a long time ago. He wouldn't know that, but he longed to understand it. And we're going to go over there and take the Lord's Supper and take it, and we're just and it's going to be like a very, very complacent. I've done it, and so have you. We've done that before have something else on my mind, I'm focused on something else, not really focused on what I'm doing, not really focused on what happened and what was going on, and now I look at it and say, oh yeah, did I take the, did I take the juice or not? I don't remember. How complacent is that? To honor something that Jesus did to make new birth possible. <laughs> you know, how do you explain it? How do you explain it? I have a relationship with God now I didn't have before. You want a relationship with God? That's what I, you know, I, I understand what you're talking about, Sid, about numerous sessions. 
the first thing I, I tell them is, do you want a relationship with God? Do you want one? And if yes, why? He asks you questions, you better be prepared. You better be prepared. You know, I want to, I want to know why do you want a relationship with God? Because my life stinks. You want it not to stink anymore? Keep going back and forth. That's how I, I answer it. This is what my my understanding of a new birth. And then, you know, and the first and foremost is they got to see it in you. You won't get an opportunity to tell them if they don't see it in you first. If they don't see something. So I got a couple more questions here. All right. They got to get more personal. You all know that, right? You got to get more personal. Okay. All right. What evidence of a new life in Christ can can I see in myself? What evidence of a new life, a new birth in my own life can I see in myself? That other people might see. What do I see? Peace. Peace. Your neighbor. Okay. Okay. The way you think and act. The way you think and act? Okay. So, I, I, I want this more personal. I see in myself this. This is what I see in myself. What would you say? I see this in myself as evidence of a new birth in my life. This is what I see. Your priorities change. So Jim says his priorities change. Change from what to what? Change from what to what? Stuff I shouldn't be doing is to be in. Okay. To right. the right thing. Okay. Yes, ma'am, Barbara. Calmness. Calmness. Is that what it put? For me. For you, it was calm. <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't know you before. But I'll say you were calm. I would say that. I would say that's a that's a, a thing, a, a defining character in your life. Yes, Angie. Going to God for answers instead of wanting to ask everybody else or wanting validation. Okay. I studied with you for a while, so I know you're a question asker. You know, I know that. I was always prepared that she was going to ask questions, and they weren't going to be they were going to be, you know, on point type questions. She's really concerned about what is it that I need to know, and that and that's but that can come from your personality too. What is it that that people would see in you now as evidence of this new birth? Because people got to see it. If we're going to be able, if we're going to we're going to tell somebody, they got to see it evidence in us. What is that? What would somebody say? Here is the evidence I see in that person, or what do you see in yourself? The patience. Okay, patience. Now, okay. The, the the way um, stuff don't come out of my mouth so quickly. Okay. The way I, um, and that's to deal with patience, okay. too. Okay. But, you know, knowing that once you speak something unclean out of your mouth, right. that it you cannot take it back. Okay. It appears as hard. Well, when you, when you look at this text, he said, now that, you have a, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth. What's he talking about? Obeying the truth. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Huh? Being baptized. Being baptized. Okay. That, that all of it? You know, Jesus said, I mean, they said in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, that one day Jesus is going to come back in vengeance with flaming fire with powerful angels to take vengeance on, on what? On who? Those that do not know God and those who have not obeyed the gospel. Is it important to obey the good news about Christ in everything that we do. Is it important? You cannot have salvation without it. Okay? If you don't, if you choose not to be obedient to the gospel, because there's a lot of people out there, guys, that are obeying the things they think that God wants them to do. Don't have a clue what the book says. Don't care what the book says. I've run across them many times. They just want to do, I, I'm going to be obedient because this is convenient. I'll do this. I'll go to church. Well, I think God would, 
would really want me to be to have a good time and have and be peace in my life. So I'm going to go to church once a month. That makes me feel good, and it, you know that'd be good. Well, I'm not going to give my money. Oh no 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 no! I'll give it to this charity over here, but I'm not giving my money. You're not going to get that. Is that part of being obedient to the gospel? Is that part of being obedient to? The, you don't think so? I think everything that Jesus told us, everything. And remember, I had somebody tell me one time, well, you know, them letters that he wrote to the church of Corinth, now that's not Jesus' words. I said, really? Really? I said, then how come Paul tells them, if anyone wants to be spiritual or a prophet, let them first acknowledge that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. He says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay? How come that is this? How come that God said that script, all scriptures God breathed? Okay? So if there are things in there, that tell us how to live our lives, that you don't think that God inspired people to write this stuff, and that's all part of the good news of Christ? I understand what we're saying. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. But there's a whole lot there. What about his life? What about the, the, the ascension? What about all-encompassing of all of it? Isn't it all-encompassing? I understand that, that we're obedient to him when we're baptized in Christ. Whoever said that long ago, I, you're right. I believe that. I believe that we imitate his death, burial, and resurrection like Romans chapter 6 says. I watched a guy on YouTube the other day trying to explain Romans chapter 6. And I'm going, how in the world can you butcher this up? Well, if you're trying to, you're trying to explain it to fit your narrative, he didn't believe that, that baptism was necessary for salvation. So he had, to, he had to find a way to spin it to where it didn't fit his, narr where it fit his narrative. You know, he really butchered it up trying to do that. Couldn't do it. You know, he thought he did. His class thought he did, I guess. You know, I turned it off about three fourths way through. I couldn't stand listening to it anymore. You know, I said, "How how can you how can that how can you do this?" You know, but but I'm looking at this. I'm saying, you know, we have to be obedient to the gospel. We have to be obedient to Christ. Jesus said, "Unless you," uh, he said, "the very words I spoke will judge you in the last day, because the words I spoke to you are the commandments of the Lord. They are exactly what the Father told me to say." He said a whole lot of stuff in there. Okay, he said a whole lot of stuff about hell. He said a whole lot of stuff about heaven. There's a lot to be a, to, for us to be obedient to. Okay, I, there's a there's you know these th these commandments that that bring new birth in my life that new relationship. What I would tell them, you know, I have a relationship with God, and this is why. It wasn't because I was good, it wasn't because I was so faithful. It was because He was so good. He made me into what I could never be on my own. He made me into what I could never be, and I trust Him to continue to do that. That's what new birth means to me. That's what I would tell them. If you want that in your life, I can help you with that. I'll lead you to the one that can give it to you. I can't give it to you. You can't give it to anybody. Can you? You can't impart this new birth to anybody. All you can do is lead them to the one you can. That's all we can do. You know, I hope that's what we're doing. I hope we're ready when they, when they ask us, what's different about you? Something's different about you. I had people tell us that at the hospital. You know, they said, I don't know what's going on with you guys, but you guys are different. You know? First off, our whole family was there in Houston. We all drove to Houston to be with her. Some of them didn't have nobody there. And we were all there. And they saw us pray. They, they, you know, we prayed for her when she was getting on the helicopter out in the, out in the parking lot. You know, prayed with the nurses and prayed with the pilot, you know, that everything would go well. You know, we prayed right there out on the tarmac before they took her. I'm going, you know, people see that stuff. If you, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. You know, is the new birth really a new birth, or is it just something we play games with on Sunday? What is it? 
Here he tells me, he said, it is a new birth, in, in, uh, and we should love one another deeply. We get to love each other. You know, if you ask what changed in my life, what man, I don't run with any of you people. You understand that? I don't run with you people. I live in a different world than you people did, many of you. Dan Marshall's chasing me. That, he was a cop. He's chasing me because that's where I lived, guys. I lived on the other side of the law. You don't, and I don't run together. We don't have anything in common, most of us. That's, that's what's different. I don't do that anymore. I left that and made that fit because really, when I came to the text, when I was studying trying to figure it out, when I came to the text that said, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. And he doesn't say it once, that's twice. If something's so important, Jesus has to say it twice. It must be really important. Maybe I'll listen. I want to know what that meant. What did it mean for me to repent? And I figured out that it meant I had, couldn't do the what I was doing before. I had to stop. So the character traits in me, you know, the people that knew me, the people that knew me before, knew there was something different. You know, I, I, I went back to San Antonio one day, and I, and I saw a guy that I ran with sitting across the street on a, on a porch at the neighbor's house that we used to hang with. And I saw him sitting there. I knew he was bandaged up. I could tell that there was something going on. And, uh, and, I, and I called him by name, and, and he, you know, he hadn't, we hadn't seen each other in 15 years. And I, I went over there, and this was a guy that if you went, if you were out and about, you wanted this guy with you because this guy had no fear. You know, nobody messed with him. Nobody. You know, a guy guy pulled a chain on him, and he took the chain away from it and beat him almost to death. This kind of guy I dealt with. And he was in a bar, and a, and a bunch of bunch of bikers were in a bar, and he got crossways with them because he didn't have no fear. And he beat three of them up, and they put him in the hospital. He put all three of them in the hospital. And I said, and I walked up to him, and he said something. I said, man, I don't live there anymore, dude. I said, I'm done. I can't do that stuff anymore. And I said, I, I pray for you, bud, that everything will be okay. And he said, it ain't going to help. Ain't going to help. And that was the last time I ever saw him. I don't know if he's alive or dead. I have no idea. But you know, you know, that, you know when, I, when I looked at what evidence of a new life in Christ, that's the evidence. That I don't live where those people live anymore. You know, when you say my priorities are different, because priorities are about myself. What am I going to do for myself? You know, sometimes God will snap your head to the dirt and wake you up. And, and you know, and sometimes we come to him because we've read and studied and said, or our wife brings us or whatever, and says, I got it. I do it. Yes, ma'am, Linda. And I think everything you're saying is important, but I don't want those of us who are raised in the church to sit here and say, no. well, I don't have an example. People watch you. Yeah. Everything goes through their and they're trying to decide. Are they hypocritical? Yeah. Is it really how they there? Is this who they are? So, I mean, I love your story. And I love to tell people about it because it lets everyone know that we're, we're the same. Absolutely. But at the same time, I, I feel guilty sometimes because we sit back and say, well, I don't want to sit back. Yeah, you We're do. telling it every no. day. Linda's saying, what, for you guys online, Linda, Linda's saying that, that not, it don't, you don't have to be a dramatic story like mine. You know, a sin story is a sin story. Mine's just more out in the open. You know, mine was, you know, I was different because I ran different. I didn't get the, pri I didn't have the privilege of, of being raised in a, in an environment where that was going to be a part of my life. It wasn't a part of my life. But I had someone come up to me one day and told, and was crying right here in this auditorium, was crying, tears running down her cheek. She said, Dan, how come nobody ever told us this stuff? I said, they did. 
They did. You just weren't listening. And she said, you're right, I wasn't. She, had, she felt that, that, that breaking of her heart. She felt that because she'd never paid attention to what people were telling her about the sin issue in her own life. Sin, sin, guys. Mine was just in the forefront. It was just visible. You know, broke my mother's heart. Broke her heart where I was at. But, you know, I mean, there's, we've had children in our lives broke our hearts too. And they didn't do all that dramatic stuff, but they still got off track. And it broke our hearts. You know, God loves us enough to be patient with us and to give us the opportunity. And that's the story we tell. I don't have to live in sin anymore like I did before. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to think evil. I don't have to talk evil. I don't have to act evil. I don't have to, I don't have, to have my mind going to evil places all the time. Because in a world we live in today, it's easy. It's easy. So my, my last question here is, uh, what, why is it difficult to change uh, our ways after we were born again? Why is it difficult? Why, why has it been difficult for you to change your ways after you were after the new birth process? Was it difficult? It's it's habit. You're I mean you're in a habit of doing certain things. Okay. So it's, it is hard to break those habits. It is hard to break those habits. It is. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that it's that it's uh, that we're all going to be perfect. All we're not. You know, we struggle and we grow. And you know, I I told somebody the other day. I said, continue to unwrap this gift of grace that God's given you because you have not unwrapped it all yet. There's still more of this gift unwrapped in all of our lives. We've got a lot of stuff going on here that is very, you know, I can't wait to see what's next. It's like I told y'all before. You know, I mean, you know, my wife had a stroke, and I understand, you know. But man, it, life's different, and I'm looking. I look forward to that. I'm looking and saying, "Wow, how can I change, and what can I get better in my life?" We talked about it Friday night. You know, Leslie want to know what what's the hoop part of it, <laughs> you know? it's, because it's it's a new opportunity for me to grow and for us to grow. Yes, ma'am. Um, the Bible talks about it. You starting out as a baby, mm -hmm. and you have to grow. Yeah, so, yeah. He's gonna talk. He's gonna he's gonna talk about that here in this next part. You know, when we get into chapter two, somebody else have their hand up. Yeah, Pam. Well, I'm like a sponge, so I'm kind of like people that are around me. If I surround myself with the wrong people, mm -hmm. yeah. For those for those you don't know, Pam, Pam was just baptized. What about six months ago? Yeah. So a while back, but so you're. I'm like, I'm like a sponge, though, so that's why I need to associate myself with the Yeah, yeah. Put the right people in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, look, let's uh. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read through this. We're not gonna get through all this, all right? And I'm gonna refer back here, but because of, of what Pam said, I'm gonna I'm you know what Amy said. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this here. Look look at chapter two. Therefore, y'all know why that's there, right? Because of what it said. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And this is where where Amy where yours comes in. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. How did it taste to you, Chris, when you tasted for that very first time, that sense of relief and that sense of, of hope, hopefulness? How did it taste to you? It tasted different, didn't it? Yeah. It's the best thing to realize that well, a bird, a bird, it's like a bird dog. Well, Chris and I came from came from kind of the same background religiously, so you know, you know, yeah, why I, mean, I called on. Yeah, when I grew up, I mean, you had you know, you had to have all your 
You have to have everything in order. You know, everything yeah. Goes every I dotted, every T yeah. crossed. Yeah. yeah. All this stuff. And if you don't, and if you don't, you're not going to go to heaven. Exactly. That's all it, it was. It was all about you. Yeah. You got to check your rules off yeah. as you go. Well, guess yeah. what? Yeah. There ain't no rule sheet. Yeah. No, that, that doesn't work that way. So no. then eventually, you get, like I say, it's like a person off your shoulders because you figure out, hey, yeah. I, don't have to, I don't have to use my checklist anymore. You feel, you feel it like ain't a, what I did, it's what he did for me. There there are times when I still feel like a baby. <laughs> I still feel like I'm 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 drinking milk. You know, not any, not as much anymore as I did before because I've matured and grown up. What is it what does it mean to mature? What does it mean for you to mature? You know, part of it talks about we have to start loving each other deeply from the heart. Never you know, if he, if he if he cleanses our heart and makes it pure, it's the only way we're gonna love each other. Because we're man, we're flawed, guys. I mean, it's all, we're flawed. We, we got a we got a bunch of baggage we bring, don't we? And we have to love each other in spite of the baggage. We just what we do. Yeah, see. I'm always amazed, still amazed, mm -hmm. reading through that book. Something you've read, studied several times. The next trip through, you get a whole new understanding, whole new understanding of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it's you know, I mean, I I understand how powerful the word is. But, you know, studying this text, you know, for the last, you know, four or five days, whenever I've studied it, you know, it's pretty pretty obvious to me that, that the, the Word has a, a, I mean, it's imperishable. It's not going to go away. God said it, it will not go away. If God promised it, it's there. It's done. Yes, ma'am. Well, I think when you're baptized, sometimes you don't know what to do. When you think, well, okay, I've been baptized, now what's God going to do for me? Yeah. Well, God already did his part when you were baptized, and you asked for forgiveness of your sins. Mm -hmm. And now it's your turn to do your part. Okay. Because it's like a relationship. You know, okay. a relationship doesn't work unless you're both doing something. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this part, where in the, the first verses, it talks about getting rid of mm -hmm. all this stuff. Well, that's where you start. Okay. That's where you do your part. Okay. Is getting rid of all that in your life. Okay. Are you going to do it right away? No. Is it going to be easy? No. But it's a daily process. Okay. If you can't take it one week at a time, take it one day at a time. And if you can't take it one day at a time, take it one hour at a time. Okay. And you have to know that you're going to mess up. Okay. And it's okay to mess up, but it's you have to know that when you mess up, it's different now because you can go to God and ask for we're not living in a place where we have a father that's looking to beat us down to the dirt. You know, we're not living in a place where God is looking to punish us. We're not living in a place where we look where we have a God that's saying, I'm just waiting for you to mess up so I can X you out of my of my life. That's not where we live. That's not the father we have. The father we have loves us, loves us deeply, and wants us to do right, wants us to do well, and he's gonna grow. What, what was the, did the, did the prodigal son's father love him? Did he love him? A little bit. What did he love him enough not to do? To go running after him. When did he go running after him? When he saw him coming home. That's the kind of father you have. You have a father that loves you. That, that's, that's what we tell him. You want a father that loves you? You want one that's going to not abandon you ever, ever. Now, I may walk away from him. I may. Still and I'm going to make sure that you guys are around me so I don't do that. I'm going to expect you to come after me. Don't wait for the other three guys to come after me. You come after me. You come and say, Dan, is everything okay? And I'm going to say, no, it's not okay. But when you ask me, you better be ready to hear why it's not okay. Oh, yeah. Okay? 
Because sometimes we don't ask them. We want to know. It's, it's too complicated. I don't want to know. But if I'm going to get rid of this stuff, guess what I need? I need you. I need you. I need you to help. That's what Pam's saying. I need to put good people around me so that I can do this because I can't do it by myself. You know what gave me the, a great deal of comforts? A, a part that I knew that God was in charge last month? My three boys and my two daughter-in-laws were there. All three of them were there. All, all eight of us were there the whole time. That gave me a great deal of comfort. You know why? Because I knew that they, they were looking to me and I was looking to them, and I knew that all of us were looking to God. All of us. And so it made, gave me a great deal of comfort. And I know that you guys were back here praying for her and praying for my family. I know that. And I believe, I truly believe, that she's alive today because of y'all. Because y'all went to God for her. Numerous times on her behalf. Because y'all know how close she came. Okay? Absolutely it works. That's what, that's what this new birth is about. I need you around me. I need the strength that I get from you. Because I can't do it. Ruth, you're right. I can't do this by myself. I can't. You know, because every time I do this and I leave the door cracked open a little bit, guess what Satan does? Swings the door open and here I am again. Backing up, up to my neck in this stuff again. And it can happen over one little instant, one little thing. So I'm looking at it and saying, therefore, rip yourself all malice and, and deceit, hypocrisy. I got it. Guys, you know, we're supposed to walk away from this lifestyle, but it is a journey. How many of you find yourself still in the journey? Still struggling with it. Still struggling. You know, you we need and don't get. I need you, but I need my I need my God too. I need to know that God is there and He understands. It says in Hebrews chapter four, I believe, that that we have a high priest that understands. Okay, He can be touched with our infirmities because in all aspects He was tempted just like we are, yet He was without sin. So He knows what it's like. You think He knows what it's like? have someone sick and dying? You think he knows what it's like to be destitute? He didn't have a place to lay his head, he said. He said, foxes have holes. I don't have any place. So you think he understood what it felt like to be abandoned? You think he, he understood? We have no record of, of Joseph, his father, as, as he becomes an adult. You know, what happened to Joseph? He died? Most likely, because the age of, of you know, the average age of men in that culture was about 35. So yeah, it probably died. We don't know for sure. But would Jesus have had a, a, a hole in his heart over that? You think? Sure he would have. So would he have understood what you're going through when you're struggling with something like this? Would he understand what you're going through when you're tempted and you, you feel like you've been beaten on the ground and you just can't get up anymore? Ask him what it felt like in the, in the wilderness when he'd been fasting for 40 days and Satan came along. What do you think he felt like? You think he understands? Absolutely. Yes, Sid, what were you going to say? Oh, well, okay. Like it says here, though, uh, we need to rid ourselves. Well, you know, every day, at the end of the day, I think about, oh, dear, the thought I had, or maybe I said something wrong, or, you know, and I'm, it's a constant work to repent and, and run back to God. It's kind of like when our children were little, and they did something wrong. When they run to you and say, Mommy, I love you and yeah. I'm sorry. Let me yeah. ask you let me ask you something. The word in the Greek, I can't pronounce the word in the Greek, but the word in the Greek for this term right here is uh, it's like stripping clothes off. It's like coming in, you know, I, when you come home and you've been outside digging a ditch all day 
putting plumbing in all day, you know, can get pretty ripe, can't we? <laughs> Kevin came in the other day, and I said, dude, go back outside, man. You smell like diesel, man. Gee, he st the whole house stunk like diesel, man. He'd been, he'd been working on a big truck all day long. He had diesel all over him. I said, you know, go, man, do something, but don't do it in here. <laughs> See, you know, that's what the idea, the idea is stripping off your dirty clothes. That's the idea of the word. So strip this stuff but off. It starts peeling process. off. Yeah, it is. Start peeling off. Because tomorrow, guess what I'm going to have to do? Strip it off again. And tomorrow, again, and again. You know, he came He came home two or three days in a row, and, he, and he, you know, I said, dude, man, what's the matter? Are you taking a bath in this stuff? <laughs> and if you're not familiar with diesel, diesel has a smell that you just can't get it out of the corner. You just can't. Yeah. Yep. I think you also have to remember it says you're a baby yeah. or you're a Christian and then you mature. So yeah. it's not always going to be hard. Yeah. It's not always going to be hard to do these things. No, it's not. It's not. And, and you know, and I have a father that loves me and coddles me and cares for me. And I have you guys that care about me and we care about each other. And, and I want people, you know, when you go over there, if you've not been in that auditorium and you see that mission statement, we want to be God's heart and God's hand. That's the way we do that. They have to see it in us. They have to see us being God's heart and God's hand to each other. And when they do that, then they're going to want to know, hey, what do you got? All right, we'll see you next week. We're going to pick it up here because I'm not done with it yet. All right, we'll see you next week.